Thank you to our sponsor for season two, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audio-visual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Welcome to Currency Shift, the podcast where we showcase and share insights from first, only, and the disruptive. These are people who are creating new lanes and carving new paths for women, people of color, and diversity and inclusion. My name is Shade Simone. Let's get started. All right, today we have the lovely Florissa in the house today. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Let's take a little sip. Uh, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking uh, some sparkling water today um, in celebration of those who do not drink. So I'm excited to have you in the studio, Florissa. Um, what we're going to do is just learn a little bit about all of your lovely achievements and what you've been able to accomplish thus far um, on your route to just being a dominant Latina figure in the industry. So if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't take all the credit. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ever make it by your own, right? So, yes, that's true. Um a little bit about myself. Yes. That's the question. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Latina. I'm Dominicana. I'm um, in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, um, I'm the CEO and the founder for Bella Fashionistas, which is a movement to encourage, motivate, and educate Latina youth and women. I'm also the uh, CEO and founder of Flairvisor Bello INC, which is a special events and marketing firm creating innovative and interactive um, events through social media and marketing campaigns. Okay, excellent. So one of the reasons why I invited you here as a guest is because I look at what you're doing as a disruptor. Like you're really taking um, a stronghold on the Latina community and really putting emphasis on empowerment and inclusion, but you're also doing it in a way where you're using a lot of social media and you're reaching back and touching on uh, the high school students and the collegiate students as well. Uh, what I want to know is like when you were younger, because we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, right? So when you were younger, what were some of your childhood aspirations and dreams? That's an interesting question. Thank you for asking that. Um, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I um, so I came, I immigrated from the Dominican Republic when I was 10. And I remember sitting at my house in front of a TV, um, watching TV throughout the summer all day. And I said, there needs to be something else to this. Like, I can't literally stay all day at home, watch TV, and do house chores, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and just wait for my mom to give me directions on what to cook before she gets in and prepare. So I I said to myself, how can a Latina, how can I, right, be able to go into the industry of entertainment? 
So it was an inspiration for me to watch TV all day. So I guess it it served it, its purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it served its purpose because I said to myself, I want to be a reporter. I want to be a backup dancer. Yeah. I want to be into the industry. But I, I saw that so far ahead, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm from the Bronx. My parents don't know anyone that worked in the city, That I, t- to my understanding back then. And I said, Lord, how can I be able to work in the industry that's interesting was there because you said you were watching tv a lot and you were looking at the the entertainment industry as a whole was there any particular person that kind of stood out that encouraged you or that you said "Mm, if that person can do it i can do it too no (laughs) (laughs) um that came up throughout the course of of growing up and maturing right so um i just doubted a lot who my parents knew I doubted the fact that I'm Latina from the Bronx and that I saw myself in a room with four walls that they, that didn't have the access. Mm-hmm. So what I said was, God, how can I meet someone from the industry? So that was at the age of 12, 11, 12. Um, I always knew that I wanted to be a film producer, right? So mm-hmm. how did I come into that realization when I was in my middle school? Uh, my teacher gave us a report to do, and they and they said, look into the industry that you want to land in and do research on the position. So I said to my father, I said, Dad, I think I want to be a film producer. He said, oh, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to get you there, right? So, and I know that at that point, we had teachers that guided us with different high schools, right? So at that point, I had to look into different high schools. And there were high schools that were specialized in their particular field. Um, for me, back in the 90s, it wasn't that many that focus in film, right? Yeah. Um, now there is. They have a, a, a larger curriculum. So I did this report. And um, my mom, who was a pastor, mm-hmm. right, she, um, she would have groups where she would have prayer nights and all that stuff. So we yeah. ended up going to... My back then, um, my godmother, my, um, what's this called? You know, Catholics have a confirmation, right? Is that what I, it is? I think so. I'm okay. not really religious. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I can't remember. Oh, my God. So but I think it was confirmation. <clears throat> so my godmother confirmation, her daughter, they have a brownstone in the Bronx n- mm-hmm. near me. I was so amazed. We went for a prayer night and... I was so amazed with the architecture and the high ceilings. And, you know, I went into the room. They invited me to the room, and they gave me a, a tour of the house. And I I saw that a, a family of probably five siblings, right? Um, one of them was attending a forum for her, her law degree. And um, and she said to me, she sat down with me, and she said, so what do you want to do? You're, I was 14, 15. Yeah. And I said to her, well, I want to be a film producer. She's like, oh, my God, I work at Channel 13. I oh, said wow. no way, and and she says to me, "I'm gonna see if I if you could do an internship and come in, and and to get you into the area where you want to land." Mm-hmm. So that for me, fast forward, a month and a half later, I was already working at Channel Thirteen as a production assistant for the multimedia department. Wow! So I said, "Wow!" <laughs> I I first of all, I doubted my parents. Yeah. But then I, I kind of doubted myself, right? Which we all come across that. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it has been a shift. To, it was a shift in my life. Let's talk to, let's speak to that a little bit. What was it like for you 
what was the culture like in the job that you were in? Because you were interning in the industry, but what was the culture like when you first started as an intern? Like, what did you notice? Did you feel comfortable? Was it like, did you see other Latino women that looked like you? And like, did, can you speak to that for a second? Um, yes. So I was, I was everyone's little sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, the culture was a 99% Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, probably zero point one percent Asian, and then Latina was probably half of that, right? Yeah, I was the second Latina there. Mm-hmm. Um, more of a darker complexion. There was a, a, a another one that I reported to. She's uh, she's Cuban. It was after all, they protected me. They taught me like SAT words because I was in junior, like tenth to uh, junior year that at that point. And um, how they they literally taught me a lot, and I said to myself, "Wow, this is an incredible experience." Well, that's good. I'm glad that you have that experience because I know a lot of people when they're the first or the only, uh, they they talk about how lonely it is or how like how complicated it is to try to fit in where you're where you're assumed as you're not a good fit. Right. So you have to you, some people go through imposter syndrome. Some people, they feel like they have to change who they are, um, whether it's their hair or the way they dress or the way they speak. So I'm glad that you had that um, essentially that support system that was there for you. So let's fast forward to you moving forward in the industry. You're blossoming, you're grooming. What type of struggles did you face as you moved into doing your own thing and really building yourself in that community? media. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell you one thing that um what helped me was that my community, like my aunt, my godmother, her daughter, when I was in high school, I was very involved. My mom made sure that I went to a small high school and that I was in a school where not a lot of people were there. You you know, coming in the nineties. I mean, the Bronx wasn't that bad back then, but <laughs> Harlem you was. You can only you can hear only hear gunshots here and there, but um, no, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, I guess uh, one of the things that really helped me was that I had a community of and sister um no sisters but yes yeah, sister i don't i don't have a sister i'm the only girl but i had the community of my parents who really guided me i had the community of my brothers who really sat me down and taught me how men behave and you know my father did the same but one of the things that really molded me along the way was that my father said to me people are going to judge you by the way that you speak and you dress so my father was a manager of a bank, branch manager of a bank in the Dominican Republic, and my mom is a doctor, right? So one of the things that my mom always taught me was I never understood why people reacted or said things the way that they did. And and my mom and I sat down with my mom, and she said, you have to understand and accept people by the way that they are. Never never judge them by by what you see. They always have a story of why they act the way that they do. So fast forward from that, those were the things that really molded me into a person. And the community around me, my aunt, my no, my godmother's daughter, and, and other people that really saw the hungerness in me to move forward. Like my English teacher connected me to her best friend yeah. at that point, like throughout my high school years, that had an event firm. So I did, I helped her plan this um gala 
at the MetLife building. And, you know, and I worked downtown by World Trade Center. And I interned at the IFP. I was very involved. Like, my mom ensured that I was very involved. Like, I was constantly going to school, doing internships, and doing workshops. So I did a workshop at the Smithsonian Museum on Fifth Avenue and, and the upper 90s. So those things were all a compliment for me to move forward and to come into the breakdown of yeah. having a firm, right? So what really helped me to answer your question, there was a lot of struggles. You always come about it into struggles. And, you know, networking for me helped out a lot. Um, I was very exposed into my industry at a very early age. Mm-hmm. And then I always knew not that networking, even when I was in college, uh, networking and working in retail really helped me deal with and associate with different type of personalities and people yeah. and their characters. But it's just so much fast forward, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I worked in retail and from that, by a connection of a family member, I was able to go into healthcare and that helped me pay my way to college. So when I was in college, I always knew what I wanted to do, which was events, right? Yes. And the film industry and also psychology. I Those were the three degrees that I always wanted to pursue, right? So one of the things that really helped me constantly being in the industry. So mm-hmm. I became a subscriber and a student member of of um, what it's now Best Bash. So I will always get their magazines and I will always see like the trends and events and stuff. Mm-hmm. I spent seven years working in healthcare, working for a cardiothoracic surgeon. Yeah. And I, you come into a point in your life where, okay, what's next, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're working in an area that's not something that you want to pursue. You're passionate. Yeah. Right. And for me, it was, God, how can I break out of this <laughs> and move yeah. forward? Yeah. So I literally managed the office with my eyes closed. And I, helped so many I I took responsibility of so many positions that didn't pertain to me but if I didn't have the help which they weren't giving me any help mm-hmm. <laughs> they never gave me the help of the backbone to have an assistant I I just dealt with it and and worked my 80 60 hours a week that can that can feel kind of draining though like it, it was spiritually and emotionally yes and when you're working in something that you know isn't like your passion or where you can fulfill your full potential so how did you move out of that like what what was the defining moment where you were like all right I'm working 80 to 60 hours I'm not I don't have help like what was it that was that pivotal moment where you shifted back onto your passion god Mm. I um I think that we always need to hit rock bottom in order to understand. And it's not, it's more internally mm-hmm. um, and physically and and professionally, right? Yeah. So when you feel like that you know that you could do something else that's bigger, mm-hmm. I had fear. I, I I dealt with this fear barrier and I said, no, I I'm going to go back. So I looked at myself when I was younger and I said, I was so active in my career when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Even when I even reached my career, I said, I need to get my, fit, my feet wet. So I started going back to Biz Bash. I started networking. 
I went into this conference. I, I had so many days off. I never took any because I didn't have the time. <laughs> and um, I had all these vacation days, and I literally just took a leap of faith, and, and I said, I'm going to go to this conference. I missed the New York one, so I'm going to go to Fort Lauderdale. When I went to Fort Lauderdale... For the Bish Bash. For the Bish Bash. Okay. I had eight companies that wanted to hire me. What? I said, How? I'm not... I, I it, It's... it's it's walking in confidence. It's yeah. wearing the right clothing. Yeah. It's speaking the right way. It's showing the eagerness and the hungriness that the hungriness that you have to move forward. Mm-hmm. And they said, Florissa, I have a room for you. You just need a car to get around. <laughs> I said, okay, that sounds great. Did you have your license at all? Because yes, you're from the yes. Bronx. Okay. So when I was 17, let me tell you. <laughs> I was from the Bronx, so people think that we don't have licenses. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's I'm not from New York, guys. But being in New York, everybody, like, takes the train and, yes. like, maneuvers. When I was 17, before I graduated high school, I had my license. Okay, cool. cool. So I, um, which was another conversation, and <laughs> They said that it? you needed a car. So you yes. had eight offers. Yes, in yeah. Florida, for Florida. Yeah. And I said to myself, I can't. I need to go back to New York. So... I said, thank you, everyone, for the opportunity of, of lining up my life <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. So you turned all the offers down? Yes, I did. Wow. I, what made you do that? Like, what What was the... Because they say trust your gut a lot and listen to the little voice that says, that's, that's trying to guide you. Was there a little voice that was guiding you when you were being showered with all these offers that made you kind of sit back and say, wait, No. So I knew that there was something, yes. So that's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit. So I just felt, at that point, I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. So I just said, something that's not right here. And I have to go back to my parents. I need to help them out. And I need to do what I need to do in New York. Not in Florida, not in Miami, not in Florida, not anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it worked for the best because I came back. (laughs) Yeah. And I started, I teamed up with someone that was wanted to do a fashion show. So I was taking the lead on that and doing all the scoutings and um, another training for the girls, for the models. Then began to do fashion shows. I I worked with celebrities such as Mm Ice-T. I worked with uh, fashion designers. And then that led into another um, area in my life um, to go independently from that, I I wanted to get my feet wet, and I always had a vision, right? So when yeah. you have a vision and you have your feet wet, I mean, I mean, and you want to get your feet wet, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the process. So the process is very important in anyone's life because it will take you from point A to point B, no matter what the circumstance is. For me, you know, I was able to show my talent, and work for free <laughs> for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that led me to have my own farm. And that led me to go to the Grammys, to the Latin Grammys yeah. in 2011. And, you know, I met incredible people that that believed in me, mm-hmm. that trusted me. And I turned down the opportunity to have my own firm. Oh, wow. And then I said to the person, well, I'm going to the Grammys. And then that person said, for what? I said, I don't know, but I'm just going to go. It's an opportunity you don't <laughs> see every day. He says, but what are you going to do? With that? I said, I don't know. So I came back and I sat down with that person. Um, at 7 o'clock in the morning, we were having breakfast. And I said, look, I have an international company that wants to give me the opportunity to do an event. Mm. 
I want to take up your offer. And since then, 2012 came and I had my first firm. Mm -hmm. My first client was Telemundo. Mm -hmm. Then they referred me to NBC. Then they referred me to other clients um, and to the network. And it's been till today a blessing. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that a little deeper. So one of the things that the podcast focuses on as far as like being called currency shift is social currency. And social currency is how you use your online connections to affect your life offline and vice versa. So it's a mixture of you using social media, you tapping into your personal network and the connections that you have to affect your personal, your business and your career growth and your community and it sounds like from your story from a young age your parents were tapping into their social currency Um, even though like everything online wasn't as big as it is now they were doing networking for you to kind of move you around how are you using your social currency now um, with like LinkedIn, Instagram and other platforms that you use how are you using those platforms to really push your voice forward and to grow your business? I should use it more because <laughs> I really don't do much. I think that um, networking in both offline and online, it's very important. Mm-hmm. So without the offline, you can't get to the online, right? Because you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you need to connect one way or the other. And for me, um, doing social media since 2012 – Mm-hmm. Um, has really taught me a lot till today. And yes, there's a power in social media because although you're not connecting to those people on a daily basis, you do on social media. Yes. And um, doing a lot of marketing uh, online and offline because although you're in social media, you need to connect with them and regroup with those folks and reconnect. Um so building relationships is very important. Say that again for them. Uh, building relationships, it's very important. Yes. <laughs> and we do that since we're little, right? Exactly. So one of the things that we do at Bella Fashionistas is that we run workshops on 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 self-branding. Mm-hmm. And I should probably make this marketing one, right? <laughs> How do you market yourself? Which I do. It's, and, it, and it involves a lot... And we also host one on, we also have a networking workshops where we speak about this. Mm -hmm. So staying true to yourself and knowing who you are, it really is going to carry on in in everything that you do. So one of the things that my mom always said to me when I was in my lows, she said, don't worry, stay on and persevere because you're going, although you're going through whatever now, you're going to see it differently later on and you're going to see that this helped you move from one from step a to step b and um i used to get frustrated because i wanted to get a job and i couldn't and and you know a lot of those things um they really help you and anyone move from one place to another so one of the things that is important is carry on no matter how frustrated we may become yes, <laughs> in life, no matter how frustrated we may become in life, no matter if we don't get the job that we want or anything like that, never show that to anyone or make it very transparent. I think that 
there needs to be an offline and an online. <laughs> yeah, for your personal <laughs> for emotions. your personal yeah. emotions. But um, I mean, not that that any had any influence in that. But I uh, don't know why I even said that. But one of the things that really does help is maintaining truth to yourself, knowing what you want, knowing where you want to be. Write it down on paper what your vision is, which I tell the students. Write what you want to do and be in the future because at some point you're going to look back into this and you're going to see how everything had on veil. And the the relationships are as important in life um, that would carry you on. So, Brittany, we met a year ago and look at us today. Yes. You, you didn't have your podcast back then. Right. But you were able to connect. We were able to connect at some point. We were able to connect via LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, she says she doesn't use social media a lot, but that is not true. No, no, uh, no. I actually do now. Yeah. Back then, I did it, <laughs> but now I see the value. Of the it. value yeah. of it because I work with it. So I I manage accounts for clients on social media, and if you don't have a consistency mm-hmm. and having different stories or uploads or anything like that, and letting people know what you're doing then you wouldn't be able to know that then you're really not in their face right in other words so if i didn't see what you were doing if you didn't send me the invitations for your (laughs) conference um which we couldn't attend you could have come to mine last year and i couldn't attend yours but staying in touch and staying true to yourself right and keeping that self-image and self-branding of who you are really helps you move forward Yes. Yes. No, you hit the nail right on the head. It's so true. Like understanding because yes, we met a year ago, we were uh, doing a panel at a college, but then afterwards we all connected on LinkedIn. We all um, just followed each other. And because she does a great job of posting on not only social media, like she in the studio right now, we taking pictures. <laughs> but because she does such a great job at it, I was able to know, all right, she is one of the people that I definitely want on the podcast because I'm seeing all the things that you're doing with the Latina youth and making sure that they're uh, feeling empowered and growing. Talk to us a little bit about why you decided to branch off and start um, Bella Fashionistas and really p- have that push for the Latina youth. So Bella Fashionista began of a, um, of a want and a need, right? Mm-hmm. So attending all these Latin billboards, Latin Grammys, networking with sea levels and, um, and all these people in the industry and in the entertainment and other industries, um, l- and looking at what social media, what you see in social media, this was back in 2012, 2014, 2015, I noticed that there wasn't anyone that was giving a positive role model to our youth. And this is this just doesn't go to the to our Latino youth, but it goes to everyone in general. Um, I noticed that students were more prone to see the growth of rappers and open culture, which there's nothing wrong with that. But they saw them as role models. And I said, no, there's additional role models that we should (laughs) say that they're actually role models. And I don't mean to 
say the what, what I said now because rappers and urban culture artists have to go through a process. But the youth was only focused on their success mm. and not focused on how they got there. So I said to myself, there's so many Latinas, African-American women, so many Caucasian women, so many um, women that have excelled in their industries that they're not focusing on. So I said, let me create this fashion blog. I love fashion. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't want to create a fashion blog that doesn't resonate and doesn't create impact. Like, I don't want to just be another fashion blogger because I really don't want to focus on every day dressing up and taking pictures. It doesn't make any sense to me. I said, I want to, if I want to leave this earth, I want to leave with something that created an impact in our community. I want to leave a substance, something Mm -hmm. that someone could carry on after me. So I said to myself, I said, okay. I started strategizing and strategizing. I said, well, let's call it a fashion because everyone loves fashion, Right. right? We, men and women, kids, whoever, we all have to dress and buy clothes. <laughs> um, thank God for that. So um, so I said, but but it needs to resonate in those Latinas and women that have escalated the corporate ladder because our youth need, need to see that. There's so many women in government, African-American women, Latina women. And then I said, but I need to focus in my industry and in my culture because there's a lack in that. 2014 was a year of inception. And I gather a group of women of different backgrounds to be able to do this fashion blog. It was very, very well received. We had a thousand views in just one of the posts, mm-hmm. which was incredible for a first timer. And then everyone else had their own thing happening, right? Mm-hmm. And it's volunteer, so you know. And then I got busy with my company. Um, so then I had to reinvent, not reinvent the wheel, but a lot of it was coming back and really finding the purpose of what I wanted to convey. So 2016 was the birth of the Bella Fashionistas and being a platform that uh, interviews Latinas, mm-hmm. which we kept it the same, but also a platform that resonates with the community and has a direct impact by um, impact by creating workshops uh, that would... Uh, build Latinas through um, through their leadership skills and um, economic empowerment and social programs. So now we're working more with the youth, the root in the communities. So I said, there's a lot of organizations that are helping Latinas mm-hmm. in so many different f- shapes and forms. Yeah, Let's focus on those students that are not getting it. So every... Um, I would say every other opportunity financially from corporations are sent to those students that are very, very good performers, right? But no one is focusing in the majority that do not perform well. I said, I think that if we take it by the core and hosting these workshops at the middle schools and the high schools, that will lead those students to hopefully, right, uh, graduate and be enticed to go to college so we will have a higher rate of graduation so I sat down with a few folks in academia in different places and corporations and industries and they said yes Mm -hmm. you should do that so 
Um, now, um, Bella Fashionistas is not only a digital platform where we host interviews, but we host workshops. And also it's a platform where we connect students um, with their industry of, of careers that they want to pursue um, in their life, right? So I said, let's, not, let's partner up with organizations, nonprofit organizations that focus by industry. So we partner with Prospanica, with Alpha, with um, SHIP, with CHCI, mm-hmm. and we promote their programs. We promote what they're doing, their events. Um, we encourage our students to become student members, mm-hmm. um, especially if they know what they want to pursue for the rest of their life. And we connect them with internships. So our goal is to bring our corporate sponsors to do corporate visitations with the students um, and at some point where they could have the opportunity to have internships. So we have two mentees mm-hmm. with success stories. So one of them is working in healthcare, oh, wow. and the other one is in the process of doing a shadow program mm-hmm. for the semester. She's a nursing student, and she's not Latina. She's, um, she's Jamaican. Mm-hmm. So I sit down with these students um, every month, um, and I help them um, maneuver and get to where they need to. So one of them, who's a nursing student, she says that um, I said to her, you have to, what I did, right? Mm-hmm. I became a member of of BizBash. So I told her you have to become a member of, of a nonprofit organization that focuses on your career. Mm-hmm. And now she's up to see what their, when their events are so she mm-hmm. could network and she could get her foot in. And, yeah. and you know, when we do that, that's a, her success story for me is, your is, success story. is my success story because that's what we want to see ultimately. That's amazing. And that's a good way to look at it because just because you're not a high-performance student does not mean that you won't be successful. It's just about getting the right motivation for you to, to push yourself a little bit. So, like, mad respect to you for focusing on that end of the spectrum to get them to the higher end. So I really I really like that a lot. How do you celebrate your wins? So you have two interns that are successful. Um, both of your businesses are successful. Like, how do you celebrate the small wins? Although we should appreciate the small wins <laughs> <laughs> to get to the bigger ones. I really don't. I just thank God for everything that's happening because I, w- I wouldn't be able to get to where I am if it wasn't because of him. A lot of people ask me, how did you be- come to have, with your first firm, how did you get Telemundo as a client? W- within eight months of having mm-hmm. incor- of, of incorporated the company, mm-hmm. I said to them, the man up there, he's my best friend. And... When I hear things like that, it gives me gratification of the power that God has when we trust in him. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, okay, what's next? Although I shouldn't say that because I should be able to enjoy those moments. But I really i am so focused on what's the next, which I shouldn't be saying that mm-hmm. because I should be able to sit back and say, oh, my God, God, you did this. But I do. I do. I don't believe that I have reached success in Mm -hmm. any of these startups Mm -hmm. (laughs) and third companies. And um, managing two companies at the same time is not the easiest when you don't have 
the um, the support to do that. But I know that it's growing pains, yes. <laughs> and it's a process. So um, I just thank God for that. And you know, for me, when I do an event and it comes out great, it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. What's next, right? Fashion shows were like, oh my God, this is awesome. What's next? But to me, the most is to be able to help a, a student, like getting, take a picture for her LinkedIn profile. She created a LinkedIn. I told her how to, um, I guided her how to do, how to be on social media, what to say, what not to say, how to maintain that self-branding for herself. Mm-hmm. So whatever helped me when I was growing up, it's what I'm teaching them. Yes. And I feel that if we don't have the connections, mm-hmm. if we don't, if they don't have the access to the connections, how are they going to make it? And say that again for us, because that's really, really important. If we don't have the access for the connections, how are we going to make it? Exactly. So what you're doing is you're building that bridge for them, which is really good. And hopefully from the people listening to the podcast, this is helping you build your bridge to whatever you desire to accomplish in life or in personal or in career because everybody that's featured on the podcast they all have linkedin accounts they all have uh social media instagram and i encourage you to connect with anybody from season one and anyone that you listen to on season two um for you what advice right of all the advice that you've received from like your mom your dad um from the industry that you've been in from your experiences what piece of advice, just one piece, I know that's hard, but just one piece of advice, what advice would you place on a post-it on your desk? Nothing is impossible until you believe. Say it again for me. Nothing is impossible until you believe. Nice. nice. I um, you, you asked me before, what do I do when I'm in my lowest, right? Yeah. I kneel on my knees and I pray. Mm. Because I have seen the impossible. And I tell my students, it's not about your physical. Your physical is a complement. Education and knowing who you are, it's what's going to get you to where you want to be. And I tell my nephew, your attitude is not going to get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like having a car with no wheels. You won't get anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I be nice and kind, not not dumb and stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that anyone is dumb and stupid, but we are all, I, I feel that some of us are not exposed to certain things, so we don't know, and it's part of the ignorance and us being, what is a word I want to look for, naive. Mm-hmm. Um there's no such thing as that because when you trust in God, when you trust in in the higher power, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing is impossible. So I have that on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> You've, we've all gone through bad moments and yeah. we came out of them. Yeah. But out of the bad moments, they build character in ourselves. And I think that the, your character plays a major role anywhere that we go. And that just follows you. So that's our marketing, right? Our characters, our marketing. How you treat others and and everything. I like like the fact that the reoccurring theme here is like you need to know yourself. Mm -hmm. 
right? And then you need to lean on the higher power, whatever it is that you believe, you know, lean into that and trust yourself. And that's, that's all really, really good. Thank you for that. Um, and I hope the listeners really take it in because what you're doing is you're dropping a lot of gems, like a lot, a lot of good notes. Now is the last part of the podcast, which is the speed round. So I'll ask you a few questions and it's just really whatever comes to mind. The first thing that comes to mind. You know, you remind me of Bella Fashionista questionnaire because I have that with my interviewees. <laughs> yeah? Yes, I should bring you on to the show. I, I'm down for it. You know, I, this is social currency in action, right? <laughs> She's going to bring me on her show. I'm excited about that. Anybody that wants me on their show, holla at me. I'm excited. Yes. All right. You ready? Yes. You, you didn't send me those questions. I know. On purpose. <laughs> this is a speed route. Yeah. Yeah. When you come on the show, you don't get all the questions sent to you. You get like a rough outline. But this is the speed round. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. What gets you out of bed? Oh, my God. The fact that I have to pray every morning gets me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite band? Like music band? Barack, B A R A K. Okay. The Christian band. Okay. All right. Got it. What's your favorite drink? Coffee. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? Is it black or do you add in there? I, I, I do black. Okay. But I have to add half and half from time to time. Okay. Got it. Role model? My parents. Luxury item? A car. <laughs> A Range Rover. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned you like high cars. Yeah, you have to jump into. It's cool. All right. Um, favorite food? Italian. Favorite country to visit? I want to go to Thailand. Thailand. All right. Best is that my favorite? Probably Paris. Paris is okay. So you have a, a country that you want to go to, which is Thailand, mm-hmm. and then you have your favorite, which is Paris, France. Yeah. All right. Um, best way to give back. Hmm. Be kind. I like that. Retirement place. Probably sit, 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 sitting by the beach every day. <laughs> so a beach spot? Beach spot, yeah. All right. Favorite cartoon? Donald Duck. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez should probably be in. No, Donald, the, whatever first came to mind is probably what was true. <laughs> Donald Duck. All right, drama. Is this a movie? No, it's whatever. Whatever comes to mind when you hear the word drama. Oh, God, arguments. Comedy. I'm not too good at this stuff. <laughs> you don't have to be good. That's the fun of it. Comedy, comedy. What is this guy's name? He, who's British and he has a show that he interviews. Gosh. He has the Range Rover um, series where he interviews all these. You know, I'm sorry. I know it's seven seconds, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> Is it on Netflix? Mm, not necessarily. He's a sh- he's he has a show. Hmm. I'm not sure. Matt? No? He's British. No? All right. Well, we'll keep it moving. So you like uh, com- comedic interviews? Yes. Okay, Perfect. All right, what is happy? Happy is knowing who you are and being in your 
still moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Being in your still moment. Nice. Well, that is it. That is all that we have. Thank you for the great experience with just learning more about you and sharing your story with our listeners and giving so many great um, pieces of advice. Uh, Let them know how they can connect with you. Uh, Florissa Bello on Instagram, Bella Fashionistas on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. They can reach me anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) All the social media mediums. All the social media mediums. (laughs) All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you to our sponsor for season two, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audio-visual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Thank you for joining the conversation. To learn more about Currency Shift, go to CurrencyShiftNow.com. If you feel as though you fit the criteria as the first, the only, or the disruptive, send us an email, info at CurrencyShiftNow.com. Until next time, keep pushing, stay motivated, and stay encouraged.